Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I may not believe in God, but I have faith in the real housewives. <laughs> Don't let my obsessive compulsive disorder fool you. I love mess. <laughs> I may not organize it, but I'm the life of the party. What an array. I feel like it's a sign of what's about to come. First, I need to introduce two new guests to the People's People's Couch, um, iconic Bravo podcasters in their own right. Um, please welcome Noor and Arti, the hosts of the Reality Is podcast, a podcast about our problematic love for reality TV. You could not be more perfect for Andy's girls. So welcome, ladies. Welcome to the world of AG. Glad Thank you. you. Thank you for having us. I mean, uh, you're welcome, and thank you for joining. Um, so I have to say, this is an interesting episode. I, I was uh, telling um, uh, y'all before um, we even kind of scheduled this that the impetus to this episode started because of this DM thread that mm-hmm. um, we are on with each other, and you know, the AG schedule being what it is, I just felt like let's have a bonus episode of AG to talk and to really kind of formalize what have been personal conversations that we have been having, um, us and the dog that we can hear barking. I do believe that that is, in fact, Danielle Staub, if I can say, (laughs) just interested in joining the conversation. And I would like to say, you know, I got into a a DM with somebody about something I posted on social the other day. It was very respectful. It was a good conversation. And at the end of it, she was like, you know, I really, I, I, I don't remember the exact response but she was like I really appreciate you like listening and that we had common ground or whatever that we were respectful and I was like listen I am totally open to yeah of course interested in respectful um convo unless you tell me you're a teen Danielle and then we ride at dawn so (laughs) thank you so much I'm so Um, sorry I have to leave (laughs) (laughs) can you imagine I'd be like all right shut it down um record four minute episode of this wonderful uh conversation and moment um but first off I just wanted to welcome you guys to the Andy's Girls uh, 
Universe, which um, is a podcast and a conversation that I liken to a combo of C-SPAN and Ayanla Fix My Life, where it's all about talking about the minutia of housewives specifically, but done through the lens of psychology and an understanding of the nuance and complications behind the behavior we see of these complicated women on TV. And I'm curious um, how that aligns with the reality is with the podcast that you host together. (laughs) Pretty much completely aligns with it because our whole thing, initially, Arthi and I started talking. First of all, I roped her into this. I was just like, listen, we need to do a podcast. And she was like, I don't know how to do a podcast. I was like, bitch, I know how to do a podcast. Help me, people, save me. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, essentially what we realized because was that Arthi and I met through the Watch What Crappens uh, uh, Facebook group. Oh, wow. And we, you know, it's, you see, it's kind of like when you see another brown person in a room and you both lock eyes and then you're like, are you seeing what I'm seeing? And it's kind of like that experience that Arthi and I had as South Asian women that we were both identifying the same problematic shit on Bravo, which we love, right? We we are all Andy's girls and Andy Cohen is very problematic. And like... (laughs) Essentially, we decided that, you know, let's talk about our love for this stuff, but also with the lens that the real world that we live in, these things that we watch impact us in a certain way. So also on our podcast, we do some C-SPAN level talking, you know, Mm -hmm. we do talk about real life because it's not just that we're only watching Bravo and talking about it. Sometimes you watch Bravo, you watch somebody on TV and it just hits you the wrong way because real life stuff is happening that also impacts your view of what you're consuming on TV. Right? So like if we have something on our mind and it's something going on politically or whatever, we talk about it. And sometimes there's so many parallels that you find on TV in relationships that do impact you and the real world. So that's pretty much like our whole thing also is we're viewing this from the lens of our experience, but not just our experience because we're just, you know, South Asian women, because we're South Asian women that are constantly growing and changing and the world is changing around us as well. Right. So the only thing, only, um, uh, I agree with everything um, Noor said. The only thing that I would add is that we're not C-SPAN. We're more like CNN International. And they're like, <laughs> oh! Christian and more poor, okay, bringing you well, all the world okay. conflicts and the world okay. issues. <laughs> but that's, uh, yeah. So uh, it, it's also, um, I, I sort of laughingly call it a modern anthropology class where mm. you are studying people, you're studying cultures, and you're studying how people interact with each other and go through life, and you are identify with some of it, you identify with some of the problematic stuff that you see, you identify with, you know, it may be problematic, but you see a little bit of yourselves in it sometimes, and you're like, oh shit, I shouldn't have said that, or... That could be me, and um, at the same time, you're also uh, you also feel like somebody needs to speak up when you see something of that sort because yeah. maybe the audience and predominantly uh, the predominant audience, Bravo audience, doesn't quite get it. But as we get more representation on Bravo, it felt necessary to bring add our voices to the podcast sphere to sort of. Um, not necessarily translate uh, what's going on, but uh, to sort of give a context and give a, a sort of um, a, a place to hang our hats and say, okay, this is where we belong as well. And this is what mm-hmm. our experience has been. Um, Noor, is, Noor has been, um, Noor pretty much was born here and grew up here. Right? Oh, no, came here early. No, it's very early in her age. We like just six met. Years old. Sarah, yeah. I need to break it to you. We just met Arthi and I yeah. for the first time right now. 10 yeah, minutes. Sorry. <laughs> oh, Noor is, my God. Noor what a big day. To, Noor grew what up a here. big day. No, what I mean is, Noor grew up here and I didn't. So I grew up in, yeah. back in India and I came here as an adult. So my experience is slightly different from hers as mm-hmm. having lived and, you know, grown up here, got, went to school here. That's slightly different. So we also sort of bring that um, aspect to how we see, uh, we watch Bravo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who would you say 
for both of you to answer this, are your spiritual housewives in the sense of not necessarily your favorite housewife, which is often a different response, but the person that you connect with problematic or otherwise, someone who you either see yourself in or uh, or learn from in the ways that they are maybe opposite to you, but you feel a spiritual connection to them anyway. Do you um, both have a pick? Oh, okay. <clears throat> Unfortunately, she is also problematic and she was also mm-hmm. my favorite. And she's also somebody that I really, truly see myself with. <laughs> it's Lisa Rinna. <laughs> oh my God. For some reason, I thought you were going to say somebody totally different. When you said like problematic, I was like thinking of a total different uh, respect your <laughs> villains vibe. But actually, Lisa Rinna, compared to many people, is a little bit of a villain herself. How so? What can you um, tell me a little bit more? Yeah, it's because, you know, Lisa Rinna, um, she loves mess. And as I said in my tagline, I Hello. do too. But, you know, she has this thing about it. We just talked about it in the premiere because she does this apology to Garcelle, right? And immediately she's like, I'm a, we can say cunt. Can we say cunt? Oh, my God. Every day. How, do, how else would someone leave me an iTunes review instead of using? Just kidding. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. So, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah, like, she's more. the fact that she's like saying this apology to Garcelle and she's really trying hard. And at the end, she's just as like, I'm a cunt, right? It's this moment that she has where they, and they also cut to her apology to, to Dorit, like a couple of um, seasons prior where she's like, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. I know. I messed up. I'm sorry. Like she does these things, the scene where, you know, they push her, they like had her in the corner and were like, did you say that Kim Richards is near death? And she was like, I don't know. Did I say that? But like, you knew at that moment, (laughs) Lisa Rinna knew she said that, but she She was like, fuck, I don't know what to do. So I have found myself many times, maybe not recently because I just have the friends that I have and I don't really make new friends anymore because I'm an adult and I don't need to do that anymore. But (laughs) I've had times in like college or like high school where you're like, so friendly with everyone you want to like everyone so then you like talk shit with the wrong people and then they like eventually gets to your other friends and then they're like did Mm -hmm. you say that and you're like I don't know did I say that and it's like there's Mm -hmm. no doubt in my mind that I did say that but I don't know Mm -hmm. how to deal with the situation right now so that is like that's very much because Lisa that's me because also Lisa Rinna is like I mean not last season last season she was crazy okay did not love that that was horrible. But Lisa Rinna, for the most part, I think is a I think she's I think she's harmless in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. She's just messy. I don't want to say she means well. Maybe I just think she means well because I see myself in her. How much of her apology to Garcelle do you believe? Zero um, percent. Yeah. Like none. <laughs> like none she just doesn't want to get dragged like she's cleaning up her mess because she doesn't want to get dragged like that's all it is it's like she knows this is this is coming her way right i i mean she knew and and garcelle knows that lisa renna knows that lisa renna knows that garcelle knows as well she's like okay call me a few names and i'll call it myself and then let's move on because we need to get this paycheck she's hustling lisa renna is hustling and she's like okay I need to remain in the middle, so I don't know how the how the rest of the season's gonna go. And Lisa doesn't want to pick one side right away. She always wants. She's like Reza a little bit. She oh, wants yeah. to come in. She <clears throat> wants to be sort of act as the mediator and be in the middle, and then pick her side as the season goes along. So she has a storyline. So that's what she's trying to do. Is hey, I just want to keep in touch with you because I already kicked out um uh Denise and uh you know and now I want uh, two other people because she knows that she cannot kiss uh Sutton's ass so she's trying it with um Garcelle what was interesting about the premiere was you know there was a lot of frustration last season by from viewers from and by viewers who felt like there was no real counter being expressed and that's not necessarily interesting from a narrative perspective when it's like Denise who doesn't really want to who does not even does not really but does not want to participate in the dynamic being presented to her and kind of everybody else who has taken on the idea of like if you don't mention it all on camera 
uh, it's a character flaw. Yeah. And what's interesting to me this season, watching the premiere and we're only one episode in, is the idea that we're getting a counter from the start. So what I thought was going to be like, kind of not sneaky editing, but like a wink and a nod in a really kind of like perverse way with the Erica Jane stuff of showing her money and showing her glam and knowing that there's a counter in real life was that Garcelle was very actively countering Lisa Rinna and the editors were showing it in the real time experience of watching the episode where Rin is saying something and I'm thinking to myself, she is so full of shit. She's mm -hmm. a great housewife. Mm -hmm. I don't believe a single thing. And I'm thinking like, note to self, remember to say that at a later point. And then Garcelle fucking says it two seconds later. I'm like, great, you're doing the mm -hmm. job for me. This is fantastic. I feel like I'm getting the perspective that I need, not just because I agree with it, but because it's something different than what the person is playing mm -hmm. out on yeah. screen, which I think is really yeah. important. Yeah, and I agree. I agree with you. I think, but also I think it's, um, it's editing. It's, it's stuff that oh, would totally. have landed on the, uh, landed on the editing floor in the past years. They're leaving that in because mm -hmm. they realize that if they didn't do that, it, because the audience perspective has been so different from mm -hmm. what the editor's perspective has been, producers and editors perspective has been in the past year, in, in the last couple of years, especially. So they are leaving it on the floor. They used to leave all the stuff on the floor, but now they're including it because they see that that is going to draw the audience back to uh, Beverly Hills. Absolutely. What do you mean by leaving stuff on the floor? You mean leaving the count? They wouldn't. The counter. Don't believe that yeah. They yeah. They would. They would support. Yeah. They. They were. And in the last. Uh, last um, season, especially, it seems so one-sided. Mm -hmm. It seems so. Um, you know, uh, Teddy and uh, it seems so, um, uh, you know, Kyle and Teddy and all of their viewpoints versus the viewpoints of um, what Denise might have or Garcelle might have. They they did not bring that strongly. And when have when was the last time we heard Tom, Tom Girardi being mentioned this many times in mm -hmm. one episode? Never. I, and we, yeah. never saw, yeah, yeah. we never saw... Um, we we saw a little bit of Erica's stuff, but we didn't see all of her jewelry and a lot about Tom and about her fourteen rooms filled with uh, you know clothes or whatever. Right? There's Danielle Stab again. I know Danielle. Shut I the am fuck sorry. Up. I'm sorry. Oh That's <laughs> he's the third. He's the third podcaster. In our... See, she heard about Caroline Manso. She heard about what's going on this weekend. She was like, I really he, need to participate he, he, in that yeah. conversation. Yeah. When was the last time they showed Tom Girardi and all of mm -hmm. uh, you know? When mm -hmm. was the last time we heard Tom Girardi's name that many times in one episode, or Erica's? You know, we saw a little bit of her clothes and all that uh, glam, but not as much as she's showing this time with the real jewelry and everybody commenting on it and everybody talking about um, all the stuff that she has. It, mm -hmm. It's it's just been a lot of that in, that stuff which might have been on the floor before, mm -hmm. and now they're including it because it's part of the, it's going to be part of the storyline. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's interesting there's the idea of leaving stuff on the cutting room floor and getting the feedback or, or almost kind of like pushback from the audience there is also the idea that it is no longer Garcelle's first season and that she was also witness to uh, a complicated dynamic that she certainly didn't agree with when it came to the uh, us versus essentially everyone else that was playing out and in many ways it's a different thing to join the show mm -hmm. and experience the show your first season and then settle down for what might be a pretty bumpy ride. Yeah. But an opportunity where you're like, okay, I, I have a sense of what's going on. I have a sense of these dynamics. It's very different to watch it versus be a part of it, especially in a franchise that's so specific, which I think Beverly Hills is where they're always at like a low to medium boil. They don't yeah. usually bubble over, but mm -hmm. there's something, you know, quasi passive aggressive going on. And I think that in many ways she has responded um, not just in defense of Denise because she feels like what happened last season was bullshit, but also because she has the benefit of knowing that a large part of the audience is mm -hmm. vocally on her side. Yeah. That is a very different kind of experience than to have, you know, your freshman season where 
you're just sort of kind of getting through, you know, to season two. Yeah. And I think that's the same reason why um, Lisa Rinna is suddenly being so apologetic because she mm. does do shitty things. And, you know, she watches and reads every single thing that's about her in, mm-hmm. you know, social media. And then she adjusts the following season. She's mm-hmm. had a couple of really like chill laid back seasons where she wasn't really doing anything. I truly believe at some point she was like, I'm not going to be the only one that produces shit. So like you guys have to get somebody else to do it. So there were a couple mm-hmm. of seasons where Lisa Rinna didn't really do a lot. And then last season, she came in way too hard. And then now she's like, okay, I need to take a step back. Like, I think mm-hmm. out of everybody, the women in Beverly Hills adjust their themselves the most every season based they produce on themselves. viewers. Yeah, yeah they, they definitely themselves. produce themselves. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I, I think uh, Garcelle holding up for herself and being such a strong um, entity when it came to the reunion itself, Garcelle yeah. spoke mm-hmm. up. And Garcelle was strong at the reunion. And I think that mm-hmm. made Lisa rethink about how yes. she needs to approach Garcelle. Yes. Yes. I think that's a great point. Yeah. yeah and I think that there's a um, respect that needs to be given to someone who, um, you know, did the job that Garcelle um, did her first season. Mm-hmm. I think she has. a And, and obviously it's paid off in a, in a great way, in an enormous way for someone who already has an incredibly successful career. So I mm-hmm. think it's you know, great to see that Rinna maybe takes a moment, even if she's doing so in a way to try to evade or avoid responsibility. I think that she does respect Garcelle as Mm -hmm. a colleague in this very specific job scope, um, which will hopefully help, you know, when it comes to their interactions later on. Arcti, what is your choice for your spiritual housewife? Tell me, who are you thinking? Who are you feeling? I think I'm I'm a Wendy Osefo wanting (gasps) to be a Karen Huger. Yes, yes, that's perfect. I think that's me. I am a nerd. Um, I have all of Wendy's issues. She may or may not have multiple degrees. Yes. She and may or may how not. How many degrees do you have? A doctor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I have. Are you a doctor? Huh? What are you a doctor of? I heard the doctor, which was like a very yeah. I'm a doctor. New York. Uh, what kind of what kind of doctor? In are life, you on? life, liberty, and pursuit of truth. Now, so it's <laughs> I am overly extra educated for no particular reason. It hasn't served me well. So no I'm having a crisis. You can tell from the point from the way that I'm doing a podcast about reality TV. That's my. That's my. No, it requires. Mid- it requires. No, it's my midlife crisis right now. That's what <laughs> Wait, I'm going tell through. Tell me, this is such. <laughs> I just have to say, this is such a uniquely woman-esque way to respond. <laughs> where it's like, wow, that's so great that you've accomplished these things, and you're like, oh my god, it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> I have several different. I should go fuck myself, which I was just telling these ladies before is one of my favorite phrases. You know, I just prefer not to go down that dark path. But <laughs> this is um, it's the I was saying this in the last episode that we did that the biggest accomplish, uh, um, accomplishment I've had is like I feel I got I got Hannah fired from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you've had other accomplishments. I was like, no, yeah. but this one feels good. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, can you tell us? Are you able to? It's okay if you want to no, keep it private. Wanna, I don't want to keep. I don't, don't want to tell. tell. Yeah, but uh, essentially, but you have more than one degree. I, I like that. I'm like absolutely respecting you by continuing to ask questions. <laughs> after you it's fine. It's fine. Boundaries. You don't need to tell me. But it has nothing tell me to do with it. It's not relevant to this conversation. <laughs> so you have it's you have a degree. The only you're a doctor, relevant. huh? Yeah. And then other stuff. You have a doctor. You have some and sort of doctorate. And then I have other other degrees. I have multiple other degrees. But honestly, same. I haven't mentioned that to you guys before in the pod but absolutely same absolutely yeah. <laughs> I'm a doctor and you know what guys I would give you that information but I haven't thought of it yet but at the end by the end of this episode I will have established the school that I went to for a master's degree and just being fabulous honestly. <laughs> <laughs> continuing education yeah I know so right uh, but you know I am an immigrant and I'm overly mm-hmm. educated and I'm a little bit like Tiffany I'm awkward I'm trying to fit in and so there's that too but mostly my spirit animal is Karen Huger I want to be like her she is 
irreverent. She doesn't care what happens. Her wig is off. She doesn't care. She comes back and, you know, she calls, um, she has, you know, um, doesn't know how to operate her, you know, Instagram. She doesn't know how to operate her phone. She, you know, she's with Ray and Ray and her don't get along. And it's it's a whole thing. And she still fights for him. And it's, she's just old school. And, you know, I, I just, I like, and the fact that she comes for Giselle. I love the yeah. fact that she comes for Giselle. So I love everything about Karen Huger. I find her to be hilarious and I want her, I want to be her. (laughs) Yeah. And what part of that is aspirational in the sense of wanting to have that, the, that kind of personality? What, what in there do you feel? The delusional confidence Mm. that comes with it. Like, like, like Ramona, Ramona. but Mm. Ramona has money to back that up, but Mm -hmm. Karen doesn't even have that right so karen's delusional confidence is what i aspire for because i'm Mm. crippled by self-doubt yeah 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 exactly low confidence so (laughs) i am i want to be a karen i just am not so she's my my spirit animal i want to be her so you aspire to be the grand dame. You I want do. To be the I want to. I want to sit in the center of that that whatever that seating was at the, at at the, the birthday. Uh, yes, I want to be she the center. She wants to be center chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Are Are there other aspects of um, Doctor Wendy that you connect with aside from having multiple phenomenal degrees? From <laughs> it's it's, it's, the, it's the, 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 the immigrant. It's the immigrant experience, and we have talked about it. Nora and I have talked about it because, as an immigrant, we oftentimes we uh, our aspirations are not necessarily ours; they are our parents. Yep, and it's very, very hard to not achieve those for them. Yep. because it is such a life goal that they are working towards. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it is it is very hard for us to say no. Um, yep. And then we end up not living our own lives for mm-hmm. a bit. And mm-hmm. then to come out of that and then say, now it's my time and I want to live my life is kind of a hard thing to do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that that part definitely resonates for when, you know, in terms of Wendy. Yeah. How was it? What was your experience like watching those episodes when Wendy was talking to her mom and really struggling with? How do I, an adult woman with kids and mm-hmm. success and the perfect husband, um, it with a capital P, by the way, and asterisks uh, around the words, we're not going to get in. We may touch on the trailer, but we do not participate in Eddie Acefo. No. Rumor mongering yeah, here no, no, because no, no, no. I do fake believe news. he's the perfect husband. It's, yeah. It is complete hashtag fake news, but um what is that experience like when you're watching those episodes play back, which are very emotional? Mm-hmm. You know, you're seeing Wendy mm-hmm. in a different light as a as, you know, in many ways, in the most prominent way as the child first, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is the role she felt um, she needed to focus on, you know, how to best play. It's uh, I am I finally feel like I'm beyond that now. Mm. but um i did not uh, 10 years ago i would be in where where wendy is and you Mm -hmm. know i i had a hard time breaking out of the mold of what my parents had Mm -hmm. had said this is your structure this is where we need you to Mm -hmm. aspire high and we need you to achieve high Mm -hmm. and um if you didn't then you were uh, you were a disappointment Mm -hmm. um to them not that if now I think back and I'm thinking I could have disappointed them and they would have been fine. What, what were they going to do? But in that moment and in that time and space, it was a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, so I understand where she's coming from and I'm, uh, it was cathartic to watch her do that. It was like, ah, yeah, I've been there, done that, mm-hmm. been through it. And I wanted to reach in and say, um, Wendy, it's going to be fine. She'll she'll adjust to the new you. And it's just hard to say the words that I don't want to be what you want me to be anymore. But, um, you know, the parents will adjust. Uh, but it's hard because mm-hmm. you don't know how they're going to react to that. Yeah. What do you think, Noor? 
Yeah, I think that I had the same. I, I'm not, I don't have multiple degrees. Okay, just very basic. Okay, got a degree in something that I don't have a job in right now. Like her, every other Her mother person. still loves her. No, what? Wow. no, no. Listen, <laughs> we could get into my issues with my mother, but that's a separate. I have to, you have to do a whole other podcast on that's that. That's the Sarah. after show, guys. <laughs> Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls, where we go to bitch about our moms. <laughs> no. Um, you know, we saw the same thing with Tiffany, right? Where she yeah. gets to a mm-hmm. point where she's done all the things, she's checked off all the boxes, and she's still internally feeling miserable. And we're going to see these stories as we meet a lot of these immigrant women because they're fucking fabulous women, right? They're incredible mm. women that most people will look at and go, I don't know why you're not happy with yourself, right? Like even mm-hmm. even earlier when you asked Arthur, like you said, like you – wait, what? Like, you're super educated? And she's like, oh, God, like, disgusting. I can't believe I'm, like, so educated, right? It's, like, the same thing of, like, I know that I did all of the things that I was supposed to do. Now, I don't have multiple degrees, but I got married pretty young. You know, I bought a house. I have a husband. I've got kids. I did all the things that Pakistani women are supposed to be doing, Pakistani American women are supposed to be doing. But, you know, all of us have, my friends and I, we all talk about this. You get to a point like in your 30s where you're like, wait, hold on. I've only been doing stuff for everybody else. Mm -hmm. And I've never, nobody Mm -hmm. ever stopped to ask me, like, what do you actually want to do? Not like, is this something you want to do? But just more so, what do you, what do you want? And when do you get to decide when you are living for yourself? Because we're conditioned to believe, and I think this is across the board for all women, uh, thanks a lot, patriarchy, but we're conditioned to believe that we should be doing things based on what society expects from us. And nobody at any point stops and, and tells women to do any introspection on whether or not this is something they even want, right? Like we're kids, when you're a little girl, don't sit that way, don't wear that dress, don't stand that way. Don't talk that way. Don't laugh too hard. All those things are already ingrained into us. And we're constantly being told to be concerned with the the way the world views us. So we're constantly doing things based on what we think the world wants from us, but not ever taught what do you actually, to ever do any introspection Mm -hmm. on what you actually Mm want to do. So like Tiffany and Wendy are going through this experience as really educated, really successful immigrant women who were told this is what you need to do in America because also your parents did a fuck ton to get here. And you yeah. you how you owe them because look at how much you they they did for you to have this. And if you just throw it away by, you know, God forbid, like an immigrant parent has a child that's like, you know, like one of Luann's kids. <laughs> I know. Just, just an artist. God yeah. forbid they have an artist. Me, yeah. a child who went to school for fucking musical theater. Right. God forbid. You know? And yeah. so like for them, yeah. it's like, what? You're going to be an yeah. artist? Get yeah. out of here. Like, what do you mean by that? And it's, that's, that's what we grow up with. And that's what we're seeing. Mm-hmm. And I hope, I actually hope that Bravo shows these stories and continues to show women like this. It's of course not the way that Tiffany was treated, but more of these stories are shown on TV because it is, it, it's the, that is the experience of an immigrant woman in America. Yeah. The translation of it is also kind of interesting from like the patriarchal perspective or just the perspective of a group of women who are trying to assert their power or privilege. And mm-hmm. oftentimes that comes from being like, I'm an alum and you're new. So mm-hmm. I need to show you how it's done or critique you when I feel like you're not getting the job done as I would. And the idea that, like, Tiffany, a woman who has worked her ass off, who has her own money, who married into a very wealthy family, is showing the house that they created together. And the idea that Stephanie would say in a confessional, you know, it felt like a little braggy, it felt a little showy, whatever the language Mm was, where there's an additional translation that you have to make. Like, there is a joke, Mm -hmm. which is based, in fact, the idea that, if some, if one of my girlfriends or whomever says to me, like, oh, my God, you look so great, I have to respond and be like, oh, my God, I'm such a piece of shit. <laughs> I just, there's eight things wrong. I can't own it. I can't agree. I just need to tell you, oh, my God, I've never looked worse in my life. But you look great. And then yeah. there's an exchange. It's an exchange yeah. of us sharing the ways that we feel mm-hmm. terribly mm-hmm. about ourselves as a nice salutation. And there is an element of that, I think, in the generational divide between 
new freshman housewives and existing ones, Mm -hmm. plus the layer of being a new housewife who is a woman of color on a show that is on a franchise that is predominantly not, plus the additional complication of what was going on politically in that dynamic specific to Dallas. There's a lot of additional translation and power assertion. It's like a little bit of a power struggle that happens. And, you know, we got to kind of see it play out on Dallas in a really kind of crazy, messy way. The Mm -hmm. only thing common between Tiffany and the rest of the women of Dallas really was the money and the, the zip code, right? Everything else about Tiffany was different. Her culture is different. Her she's educated she has a job a demanding job um and she you know she has little kids and she is um you know uh, asian and she is like uh, you know she's not of their culture and their you know uh, their group so everything about her was different so tiffany had to overcome a lot to fit in or at least she felt she had to overcome a lot and she did because uh, it, the the women didn't make it easy for her because they questioned mm-hmm. everything about her. Why do you have to work five hour, five days a week? And what if you have to go two days off? How is that a bigger problem? How is it a big problem? And what is uh, your food and and your your house and your rules that you may have in your house? I mean, we were talking about it on our pod. We don't wear shoes in our house. We make Mm-mm. whoever, if you came to our house, Sarah, you would have to take your shoes off at the door. Even that's the how, that's how it is in our, even though my house is, <laughs> even though my house is disgusting and my dogs have been walking around with the paws dirty, when a human comes through, it is the respectful thing to do is like take your shoes off because you have been to public bathrooms. Okay. So you take your shoes off and leave it at the door. <laughs> but that is, that is essentially how an Asian home works. Yeah. But that's yeah. my culture. It's not what you, when I go to other people's house, my instinct is to take my shoes off and then somebody <laughs> has to tell me, no, you can keep your shoes on. They have to let so, me know. I don't that. know what to do with myself when I'm yeah. at somebody's house, and I have. Like, I get to don't you feel on. uncomfortable like walking like, on the carpet with your shoes? <laughs> I'm like, I, I'm like, this is a bad idea. Like, you this, should just yeah. let me take my shoes off. Please They're let like, me no, take no, my shoes off. Nice. This makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> It is not something that I would never think to take off my shoes, except that I had a roommate who was like, I who was a germaphobe and was like, we cannot have shoes in the. So as a result, I now do it. And it's also like I live in like a small shitty apartment in New York City. So, of course, I'm going to take them off as like a form of my own self-care as taking off shoes after walking several miles. But I nannied in a bunch of uh, I've nannied for a bunch of well-known families in the city or whatever and it's like the first thing that you do is take god forbid yeah the nanny you the first thing you do is take off your shoes because they're thinking of the resale value mm-hmm. of like we don't want to fuck up the floors because we need to sell this shit for 10 mil in right. like any day <laughs> this marriage might not work out i don't know wow i live in a perfect six on park avenue but who's to say anything i should use that second? i should use mm-hmm. that excuse for when people come over i should be like listen i might have to sell my house one day because i might decide to Let's leave see- my husband yeah. i mean <laughs> And it's not, it isn't, I add a little bit of a color there where it's like, who who knows what goes on? I do watch a lot of Bravo. Who knows what's happening in this relationship? But it is truly about the resale value. If I mean, only, it is if like only a, Sonia had made everybody take their shoes off, she could have sold that house. <laughs> that townhouse. Sonia. Oh, sweet Sonia. Oh, my God. Yeah. She could have saved money on floors mm-hmm. and used it for basic heat and warm water. Yeah. Not brown Poor ice. Pickles. Oh, know. my God. Just a mess. A mess in a moment. Um, I don't know that I've walked by. We live, we both live on the Upper East Side. I am um towards the water end, and she's closer. She's actually not on park, but she's, like, almost adjacent i've never actually walked by her house before even though i'm like 20 something blocks away from it i should mm-hmm. one day i've lived here in this in the literal apartment i've been in for 10 years just and I've never walk to just like... knock on her door and ask for some what? eyes uh she'll she'll <laughs> let you in you know i think sarah you should at she, least you try. might have to draw her a bath but she'll <laughs> let you in she went to- and I'm an avid anti-bather. I don't understand it. I don't get the water. 
I don't, I was watching somebody, I was watching an influencer talk about this uh, earlier today. I was like, she's making a lot of great points. She is also not a bath person because it's like, I don't get how the water works. You sit in water. I don't understand it. I know people that love it and I, but you sit in water. That's not the mm-hmm. second you get in. It's here's no another, in water, here's another, you just lounge. I don't understand. Here's another, here's another, um, here's another secret about immigrants, especially, you know, from the equatorial part of the world. We don't take baths. We take showers. And right? so, and so I know of folks from Africa. I know I have friends from Africa and I know that I do that. Before we get into a bath, even if we do get into a bath, you take a shower. You take a shower first. You clean oh, yourself is that up what before people you do. <laughs> Maybe that's what people do, and I just no. I was not taught that. No, 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 no. That's no. not something no, everybody does. No. no. Oh, but it's so smart, <laughs> Yeah, no. I'm do that for my my back hurts or my ankle hurts or whatever. I'll put some Epsom salt and sit in a bath for that purpose. But yeah, yeah, I'll yeah. take a shower first. <laughs> yeah, always. So we just got our bathrooms done last summer, and so I have this like really nice bathtub. And I was like, I'm gonna do a soak. And I like yeah. set up the whole bathtub, right? And then I looked at the water and I was like, I've like been cleaning all day. Like I can't get in the water right now. And then so I sit take a shower. In your own and then filth. just sit in my own filth. Like yeah. what? We're not it why? Make sense to me. I don't yeah. get it. Yeah. So then you have to it. shower first before you get in. All right, guys, this is a real educational <laughs> podcast. And I hope that we're all learning a lot of valuable lessons about ourselves, about basic hygiene, about how to comp- how to transition that into moments of self-care. I mean, bubbles for everybody. It's yeah. a different kind of bubble than what New York yeah, come li- are Yeah, come to, listen but. to the reality is we have more tips. <laughs> no, well, I'm just learning so much. Tips. I'm learning so much today. And the number one is really how to take a bath. You know who didn't really take a bath? You know who didn't take a shower before they got into the bathtub? No. Ray Huger. <laughs> wow. Uh, wow. You have to do that to me. <laughs> yeah. You who don't forget. But you know who did? Karen did. Karen did. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. She took a bath. She put on makeup. She, she took a shower. Took a bath. Yeah. Yeah. She did everything. Yeah. yeah. Um. Speaking of the beloved Hugers, what were your thoughts on the trailer that came out? yesterday she we're should, recording this Tuesday she night. should be allowed to show her pubic hair if she wants to that's it. <laughs> a woman's right to uh-huh. choose As, i'm into a, it. a woman I'm of a certain it. age i think why not mm-hmm. you know <laughs> i'm i'm perplexed by the fact that this was called a teaser i was like that's a trailer like yeah. what else why are you going to call the teaser yeah. yeah but just uh what what blew me away was the teaser had more in it than the first episode of Beverly Hills did. <laughs> you entire, felt that? Yes. The teaser had so much more in it. And the teaser was so much more anticipated and well-received than <laughs> the episode of Beverly Hills. It was like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Everybody's excited for Potomac to come back. Everyone is very excited for Potomac to come back. My counter for that would be there's a an hour Patreon exclusive episode that's up on the AG Patreon where I watch. I typically watch the trailers for mm-hmm. upcoming seasons live and record my reaction to discuss it for uh, the Patreon episode, which is what I did. I was a little confused as to the narrative structure of the trailer. I honestly watched it and was like, I have never felt so disconnected from a Potomac trailer before, which to me says nothing about the season to come. I'm sure it's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic. You know, it's it's a Potomac is like the critic's choice. Every content creator loves Potomac, um, unabashedly myself included. But I didn't understand the structure of what I was watching. It felt like they were pulling from the Jersey you know marriages are falling apart mm. slow mo slow reaction and then this like it leave felt, it to beaver I, I style it, pleasant I give you that thing. I give you that it it felt like a powerpoint slide that ray might have put together yes <laughs> it did feel yes. that way like it was a hodgepodge mm-hmm. of things but i was i was happy for every hodge and every pod like everything mm, yeah. that came through mm-hmm. i was like yes 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 and ray and karen gardening i could watch that just that as a show forever. Mm-hmm. I could watch that mm-hmm. on IGTV. Ray mm-hmm. and Karen Gardening. I could watch the new Housewife come and throw lettuce 
on Candace. Candace. Oh my god! <laughs> like, look at this. This trailer has tossing salad. Like, it's I didn't tossing salad. I mean, I... Jersey tossed cheese. Well, Potomac okay. has salad. Very upsetting to me when the cheese fell. Yeah, <laughs> that was very dark. The salad is fine. Salad is fine. Salad. Who nuts. gives a shit? It's gonna go yeah. in the garbage anyway. No one's gonna eat it. Then it's gonna rot in your fridge. You're gonna throw it into the trash eventually. Yeah. It's fine. But the cheese. Have some yeah. respect with the cheese. Right. Um, I felt like the trailer was fine. Um, I was really excited to mm. see them. I think a lot of times I'm just really excited to see see the ladies. I'm like, uh-huh. yay, I'm just so happy. Mm-hmm. But the thing that really I really enjoyed was you could tell the simmering anger in Wendy Osefo yes. pointing mm. her finger at Giselle. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna fuck you up. And I was like, this is what I want. Like and I actually hope that as a result, we get a Wendy and Karen team. Yes. Mm, because you know awesome. what? That would be phenomenal. That would. That's- Do you think that could happen? Do you think that because they, I mean, they really should unite together. Uh-huh. They have a shared enemy and yes. their own odd. Then um, they would be the It feels perfect- like misconnection style French, you know, yeah. like where they're friends. Then they, they would be, the, my, be friends. They would be my perfect spiritual, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it would be Arthi. Yeah, it would be not. It would not be me, but it would be what I aspire to be. Aspire to be. <laughs> yeah, it would make sense. Yeah, it's yeah. like you're. You both have the same enemy, and you should just mm-hmm. combine forces. It's yeah. fine. I don't know why it feels to me like a. It feels like the mis- missing or misconnections on Craigslist. It really does feel like when you see that person, but you don't really know them, and you leave them a note. It feels like that is the reality of what we hope for their friendship that we hope they Mm -hmm. want to see each other again they don't really know you know they don't know each other in a way that feels like positive or open Mm -hmm. or like trusting Mm -hmm. but I think that there could be potential if they put down some of the armor that Mm -hmm. you know they use as their own you know shield yeah it'd be interesting what were you gonna say Artie that was it no I'm okay (laughs) that was it oh just kidding (laughs) I mean listen this is what you need to know about me I love to interrupt Oh, hi. It's a, it's a cultural yeah. thing. It's a cultural thing. So, but if you put the mic in my face, I'm like, um, no, I have nothing to say. Um, yeah, I'm a Jew and an Italian, <laughs> so I can understand that perspective. Yes, we yes like you can. A yes, you can. We like. I was talking actually to a friend the other day about this. As I interrupt you to talk about <laughs> the joy of interrupting the spiritual guidance behind that, who was talking about how that's actually sometimes in some cases. Uh, a symptom of anxiety of the idea of either wanting that person to make sure that you are hearing them by making your voice heard or assuaging any kind of concerns you have mm-hmm. in your head or making sure that your point comes across, which I totally yeah. could see as yeah. a very real possibility. Yeah. yeah. But in Same. this situation, it's mostly because I don't want to forget. Because like, <laughs> I have something I mean, pop yeah. up in my head and I'm like, oh, I want to say that. And then I'll forget. So then it'll come. It'll come. It come to me when I'm in bed, and I'm like, shit. I should have said that. Mm. And that bothers me. I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. <laughs> um, <laughs> when it comes to what could be called a potentially forgettable season, do you like that transition? Thank mm. you so much. Um, when we think about a little the Real Housewives of New York City having a a tough start one could say what's your reaction to um the armor and shields that uh we've seen by you know the ogs spiritual ogs and the next generation and leah and ebony you know i think i really like ebony i don't really Mm -hmm. I don't, there's something about the way that Leah is navigating her relationship with Ebony or even with the other women that is feeling irksome to me. And I think I was able Mm -hmm. to pinpoint it last week when we had this scene where Ebony has an issue with Ramona. She sits Ramona down. She gets it off her chest. Ramona may or may not have understood, but Ebony was like, this is bothering me. And all I need to do is do my job to tell this person what the issue is. Mm. Leah has a problem with Ramona. She sits Ramona down and she's like demanding some sort of a reaction out of Ramona that Ramona picks up that she's looking for that. And Ramona's like, you know what? Fuck you. I'm not going to do it because she's Ramona. Right. Mm -hmm. And at the end, when everybody's like, look, we all know she's a liar. Like we all know Mm -hmm. (laughs) Ramona doesn't know what plasma is. Mm -hmm. So like 
the fact that she's not caught, like admitting to it or she's just being silent, like you make your point, Leah, you can move on. She immediately goes, I don't know why I'm the asshole now. And it's like, well, then now you're making it about you, Leah. And that's that's the difference between the way Leah navigates this and the way Ebony navigates it. And in my mind, and this is just my opinion, in my mind, that is very indicative of a person who has been dealing with these kinds of issues their whole life versus a person that has just recently learned that they should be calling people out on problematic things, right? So Ebony, likely her whole life as a Black woman, has been dealing with women saying problematic things to her, and she's figured it out how to deal with it. Whereas Leah may have grown up hearing these things and didn't think twice about it, but has recently come to the realization that she should be speaking up about it and is like really wants to make a point. And so that's my issue with that relationship because it just, it's really just, it's Leah is coming off self-righteous to me and I don't love that. It's not a fun watch. Um, because look, Leah, we want Ebony to drag Ramona. That's fine. But Ebony's going to do it in like a really like, like really swift way. Whereas Leah Mm -hmm. seems a little bit too, like she's trying too much, but in terms of like the old versus the new, I think one of the most fascinating things that I've heard, um, is that Ebony is like home, like really, really good pals with Sonia Morgan, Mm -hmm. who is an OG basically. Mm -hmm. And so you have this person who's like, as, who Sonia, who could be best friends with Ramona, but also can be totally best friends with Ebony. And I think that that's a really fascinating relationship that I want to see play out because Ramona is going to Ramona no matter what. Like she's mm-hmm. just, she is who she is. That's who she's going to be. Mm-hmm. But I, it's almost like it's a harder watch for me to see somebody try to drill information into Ramona's head than it is it's easier for me to just watch Ramona flounder, which is really all we need to do. So Sonia, uh, Sonia can be problematic in some mm-hmm. ways, but at the same time, Sonia is very hearts on the sleeves kind of a mm-hmm. person. She's very mm-hmm. open. And I think uh, people like that about her. She's not hiding anything. She's not saying one thing and meaning another thing. She's very um, upfront about it. And I think Ebony appreciates that. Whether it's problematic or not, Ebony appreciates that. And you know what, Sonia? If so, if you told Sonia that whatever she was doing was problematic, um, Sonia would change. Sonia would, you know, listen and incorporate that. Um, so I think that is something genuine about Sonia that all of us like. And all, I think mm-hmm. Ebony sees that and likes that about her. On the Leah aspect, this is something, again, this is one of the things that I forgot to say in our podcast last <laughs> week and was bothering me afterwards. But the other thing I was thinking about why Leah is going so hard was that, you know, this was around the time when everybody was coming down on Leah for being, quote unquote, woke and being performative and not really really standing behind her words and i'm wondering if that is pushing her to get her ounce of flesh Um, Mm. every time she comes up with an issue she's going to make sure that she is not just saying that and moving on but she's going to make sure that she is right and proves that she is right and about Mm -hmm. about um, ramona about sonia about heather she's going to prove that she actually backs Ebony and she's going to fight for that, right? So um, I think that's where she's coming from, but she's going about it in a very, very misguided way because we still don't, we still don't believe that about her. We just find her to be, prob- you know, annoying right now. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also a way that activism has been created and molded online, which ends up being a little bit of a I'm talking at you mm-hmm. instead of having an interest Correct. in talking to or with you. And with Leah and that moment with Ramona, it felt a little bit of like Leah needs to hold her accountable with a capital A versus Ebony, who was trying to understand and then move on Mm -hmm. with and from the truth you know what i'm saying like yes ebony's like she's giving you the answer you're not listening but you're looking for something else in addition and she's not going to give you what you want like there's an element of um accountability that sometimes borders on humiliation of like you deserve this because you've done wrong Mm -hmm. so i need to publicly 
hold you accountable in a way where the reaction could be shame, but yes. it's something that I feel that you deserve. Mm -hmm. And yes. it's performative because it's happening for TV cameras mm -hmm. and and ebb in that sense, not in the sense of like Correct. Leah's corporate, but just in the reality mm -hmm. that this is an artificial environment because yes, it's being shot exactly. for TV, just inherently. Mm -hmm. And there's that bubble there. And Ebony's navigating the idea of like, she's already giving you the answer. We need to stop and move on. Like you're not, there's not going to be anything else that comes from this. She doesn't have the capacity to give you the language that it is that you need or are looking for. And she's not going to participate. So if you're looking for the truth, you've already received it. Let's keep it moving, yeah. which I thought was really powerful and impactful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, And maybe something that is, you know, the privilege of maybe being a first season housewife mm -hmm. where you don't feel like you have to play the game and you can also call the game what it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah, know, I think that sure. happens from someone like Ebony, who's very, who seems very connected to herself and her core in a fantastic way, and also has the joy of being able to say, like, this is kind of bullshit, and mm -hmm. I'm the new one, and I can come in and say this, and I also know how the game is played. I think mm -hmm. it's fantastic to see, because there's that friction of that, too, of Ebony being like, Leah, what are you doing? And Leah being like, what I thought my job was, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what uh, yeah, I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. I think Ebony has been one of the most seamless um, entries into entrees into the um, Housewives um, yeah. franchise. Mm -hmm. She has been really seamless in the way she has sort of gotten along with everybody. Mm -hmm. um, she feels like she's always been there, right? She knows mm -hmm. how to play the game. She knows she really how, does. Uh, how quirky all these women are. She knows how mm -hmm. to handle them. Yeah. She knows when to step back. She knows when to speak up. And she knows how to speak up. Mm -hmm. um to keep mm -hmm. it respectful enough where everybody at at this point still likes her everybody yeah. likes mm -hmm. her and they respect her for respecting them yes yeah so. we know from the preview there's going to be something that happens and she's going to reference mm -hmm. her education which i do believe that if ebony is very well educated is a lawyer has those degrees and should be allowed to celebrate them and there's this like weird awkward moment we saw in the trailer for the season where Luann's like you can't tell me that I'm not like the most I'm not educated or I'm not the most educated person at the table and it's like okay I don't know the context of that because we haven't seen the episode but Ebony you cannot take away from this woman's law degree yeah. and mm -hmm. attempt to say that you have the same kind of education which isn't to say that you're not intelligent it isn't to say mm -hmm. that you're not well informed Formed. It just so happens that you may not have a graduate degree. You may not have a law degree, but mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't, sometimes people take that as a form of an attack and yes. it shouldn't be seen as that. It should yeah. just be seen as like, you made different choices. You went a different way that doesn't take, that shouldn't take away from, it shouldn't make you feel protected of your own intellect mm -hmm. because it's not a reflection of that. Yeah. 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 I think that's what we're seeing a lot. I call those private experiences mm -hmm. when somebody mm -hmm. says, Thing and you just automatically assume that they're attacking you or that they hate mm -hmm. you, which like mm -hmm. ladies, we go through it all the time. Mm -hmm. And like I feel like I mean, this week alone, you have texted me and said that's your private experience, or that's not really <laughs> happening to you. Hey, hey, keep our keep our yeah. stuff, you know, yeah. in our in our closets. Uh, <laughs> With but, the degrees, you're going to tell me about it. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I think um, it's this. It's this. What I like to call private experiences are when you think that everybody's mad at you, but nobody's really mad at you. You're just having mm -hmm. an like yeah. a private moment, which is like mm -hmm. eighty percent of housewives is that way. I feel like sixty percent of being a woman is that experience, and mm -hmm. like that's what we're also seeing a lot of on TV, um, especially in in the context of of Houses mm -hmm. of New York, where you see Ebony. I mean, as as far as I understood the trailer, Ebony says. I'm the most educated person or, or something like that mm -hmm. at this table, something, which is yeah, a fact. Something. Okay. Right. It's not right. It's right, a right, fact. Right, right. It doesn't it mean is. that she thinks that you are dumb. It means mm -hmm. that she has the most degrees. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's all that means. And sure. She may have definitely said it to be snarky or bitchy or whatever, but like at the same time, Luann's reaction to that being, you can't call me dumb. And it's like, well, she didn't call you dumb, you know? And it's that's just sometimes the reaction you get out of mm -hmm. that. So, mm -hmm. 
I also feel like sometimes our reactions to things are just like a reflection of what we're most afraid that people will think yes. is true. Mm-hmm. So for Luann, she's hearing that as like, okay, I was a successful model, but maybe I was in spaces where people only thought of me as like the dumb, pretty one or mm-hmm. whatever she was doing or being in a position where she had great wealth and privilege as associated with this marriage to this man. And people were looking at her as an object of her husband and not as a person mm-hmm. who was in full, uh, who hopefully had capacity to be her own fully formed person or maybe she was working to reflect herself against this marriage to this man or in conjunction with this marriage with this man because it helped her see herself it yeah. was in relation to this guy you know it might have been why she held on to Tom D'Agostino as long as she did because she wanted the reflection to be of her in some sort of something a happy marriage or relationship or somebody who was able to make it work oftentimes it like it's just that moment we sometimes get triggered and sometimes it's a trigger word sometimes it's triggering behavior sometimes it's just that triggering acknowledgement of like oh this is the deep dark pain that I find myself accessing yeah and that's tough it can lead to tough times and tough experiences and we see that sometimes in these really kind of hilarious scenes in these moments but there's a lot of truth there and it's raw and it's uncomfortable yeah projection is a hell of a drug (laughs) it really is I struggle with it a lot I I mean it's something uh, in my (laughs) no big deal but not to brag weekly appointments with both my therapist and psychiatrist (laughs) but um it is something that I struggle with a lot I I really am a very sensitive person at my core and it's very difficult to try to separate who I am as a person from like the perfect because I have chosen to do podcasting and as the podcast has grown I get a lot of pushback to things I say which is sometimes framed around who people assume that I am Mm -hmm. or how I speak as I am on you know AG and that has led to a lot of uncomfortable moments where I have had like genuine anxiety crises about something that happens as a reaction to something that I say on the podcast or an email that I get or some like really nasty DM and it's really hard to separate the reality of what could be a very small moment from how it lands you know from like the projection of oh this person is tapping into something that I actually kind of feel about myself Mm -hmm. and I hope that it's not because they can see something real I hope it's just because it's a little bit of bullshit wrapped in a bow you know Mm -hmm. and it's tough yeah and I think that's also how we pick our pick sides when housewives Mm -hmm. fight it's Mm -hmm. who do we like Arthi brings up always a good point which is you don't always necessarily side with the person that you're most like. Oftentimes you're siding with the person, you're siding against the person who you're most like mm-hmm. because mm. because it's almost like, like you know, you can be in a situation. Like I remember with Heather, Heather right, from um, Heather Thompson Gay from Salt Lake City. Oh, Gavin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. From Salt Lake Heather City. Mm-hmm. She was doing a lot of things that was driving, that were driving Arthi bananas because Arthi often said she sees – so much of herself in Heather and Heather kept doing things that are ultimately going to hurt her. They're going to hurt her in the long run. And it was like, girl, you have got to stop. And you know, you have these situations where you almost want better for them because Mm -hmm. you see so much of yourself in that person. We had the same thing Mm -hmm. happen. We were talking about shots of sunset where you have Gigi and her sister and her sister is like, so Arthi was like, her sister's the fucking worst. And I was like, no, her sister's great. And she was like, no, she's not kind to Gigi at all. And we had this discussion where I'm the youngest in my family. Arthi's the oldest in her family. And it was like, I don't like Gigi because I could have been like Gigi, but I wasn't because I did all the right things or I thought I did some of the right things or I rehab myself because I was like a rebellious teen. And then I didn't do the things that she did. Right. So I... Your emotions or how you view that person's behavior on TV is often informed by how much of yourself is projecting. Like, and so I feel like it's it's fascinating, and that's why mm-hmm. sometimes when there's things happening around the world or something that's happening in your real life, it can alter the way you view a conflict on reality TV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it okay if we transition a little bit? Because you're bringing up something that I do want us to talk about, which is the fact that we have had very intense conversations in our DMs. And um, a portion of this recorded episode is actually going to go up as a separate 
uh, Kiki on Patreon. Um, and it is a really nuanced, complicated, intense conversation. Um, but one of, you know, that's kind of one of my favorites to have here on AG. So um, that will go up on Patreon shortly. And I want to thank both of you for your insight in that conversation and also to all of the AGs who understand, you know, that sometimes it's okay for us to feel a little uncomfortable now and again. Um, And so we're going to have a little convo about our feelings about politics clubhouse (laughs) and how it can be great Um, and uh, really the world and the impact that um, social media has had on our thoughts and feels and so much more. So to any Patreon AGs, look for that um, bonus uh, and really honestly nuanced and emotional episode um, featuring these amazing ladies uh, and you know myself up on Patreon soon and I want to thank both of you for the vulnerability that you expressed and everything else. Can you tell us how to listen to your podcast and follow you on social and online? Yeah, sure. We are at the reality is pod um, everywhere on Twitter, on Instagram. We're not on Facebook. Okay. Cause with, no. Um, uh, and nightmare. if you go nightmare on, our, <laughs> if you go on our Instagram and you click on the link in our bio, it'll take you to every single platform that you, uh, any platform that you listen to your podcast on. Um, and where the reality is, everywhere itunes spotify whatever and um yeah we hope you love it it. (laughs) thank you sarah i mean i loved this this was your first we laughed we cried we did cry we did cry i mean we we sobbed we 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 just it was i have tissues it was i i have tissues like that i have to go throw away now Oh my god! I have so much snot on it, but I use my robe, and there we go. Um, just a real, real little feminine touch over here at uh, AGHQ, guys. If you're not um, in Andy Scrolls Patreon, what the fuck is wrong with you? Patreon.com/slash Andy Scrolls. You get exclusive bonus episodes, invites to special events, and the opportunity to record with a yours truly on a Patreon exclusive episode. Patreon.com/slash Andy Scrolls. Are you subscribed to the pod? Probably not. Do that thing yeah etc and so on and subscribe to andy scrolls rate the pod five stars on itunes follow me on instagram at dame galley anything i'm missing i feel like i covered the gamut if you are a team danielle person we do ride at dawn just kidding i have heard from you and i totally i genuinely do respect your opinion for being team Dan- i totally get it i don't share it but i understand and look at how look at how that yeah. works. look at how we see each other we see each other um hang in there stay safe stay sane get vaccinated if you can and we will talk to you soon Bye-bye. bye 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 Thank you.